This is the Eye on Potatoes, brought to you by the National Potato Council. The Eye is the place to tune in for conversations with growers and thought leaders on advocacy, production, and all things potatoes. Now, here's your host, Lane Nordland. Hello and welcome back to the Eye on Potatoes podcast. Lane Nordland coming to you here today on the podcast airwaves. And joining us once again is the CEO of the National Potato Council from Washington, D.C. He is phoning in today. Cam Quarles joins us. And again, Cam, it is a very uncertain time for all of U.S. agriculture in the time of COVID-19. How are things out in Washington, D.C.? And and how are you and your team continuing to advocate for the potato industry here this week? Yeah, Lane, it's it's interesting. As I was driving down here to the office to come talk to you, um, the you know the streets in D.C. are largely empty. It looks like kind of a ghost town, but that really isn't reflective of what's going on every day, uh, weekdays, weekends. Uh, it seems like everything just blends together. It's really all hands on deck in terms of of grappling with what's. Uh, confronting the agriculture industry broadly and the potato industry specifically, and then putting together with the federal government a an appropriate disaster relief package that's going to mean something to growers. So there, there is, the, it, despite everybody is staying home and the streets are quiet, I think that's about the only thing that's quiet. We're burning up the phone lines and the internet trying to get this thing put together. You know, Cam, there was just so much good news moving into 2020 and into 2020. Uh, just during the uh, Potato DC fly-in, we, we got the news that uh, for the first time, uh, chipping potatoes from the U.S. would be exported to China. And uh, soon after that, we, we really saw how serious COVID-19 is uh, for, for everyone across the world. Uh, and uh, of course, it's having a direct impact on the nation's potato producers. So uh, for our listeners, what is the overall situation with potatoes as we see it now here in the time of COVID-19? Well, the biggest challenge that we've got is the when the food service channel slammed shut, that was, you know, we, we had all of this product that was destined for the food service industry, be it restaurants, hotels, tourism, uh, schools, all of that demand just stopped. And it was like hitting a brick wall for an industry that is, the potato industry is 60% food service facing. So 60%, roughly 60% of our business just shut off overnight. Um, the, the, there was an instant impact in that you had no customers. So the, particularly the processed potato products that that go substantially to food service, those didn't have a home anymore. So the processors, as you would expect them to do, once they saw their stocks of products starting to back up, they started either slowing down their processing activities or stopping them altogether, which caused the, the all of the potatoes the fresh potatoes coming out of storage that were supposed to be feeding those processing facilities across the country, they weren't moving at the pace that they normally would. Everything started, essentially you saw the supply chain just start backing up. Every every segment just started bogging down. The What we're faced with now is 
as folks are getting ready to, some folks have already planted, some folks are getting ready to plant, some, some are in the middle of planting um, for the 2020 crop. Now that, that crop, uh, our, our, the processors in our industry are saying, look, we, we may not need the acres that we had, we had previously contracted with you for uh, a grower in Washington State, Idaho, Maine, uh, where, wherever it may be. Um, they're, they're starting to give signals that all of the that seed that an individual grower has bought, all of the ground prep that they've done, um, that may go for at least partially or totally, it may be a loss for them. And so it's a it's an ugly situation that we're facing. We, we, as you saw at Lane, we kicked off the year so strong. Uh, we had a lot of positive momentum on the international trade front. Um, domestically, consumption was looking strong. But when this, when the government came in and said, you, you're, you're not going to have any customers for a couple of months at least, and it may be longer than that, you really saw that supply chain just immediately start to back up and the negative consequences just, it, it, it was, it, it was just, it was an immediate reaction. So a lot of producers uh, watching the news every single day, uh, it, it just dominates our, our news uh, cycles. And, and we look at the Department of Agriculture and we look at the CARES Act. So at this point, we, we've heard that there is funding allocated uh, $16 billion for production agriculture from USDA, part of the CARES Act uh, funding mechanism. Uh, at what point, uh, how is this going to provide relief to producers and CAM? Is it enough? Yeah, that's the, the main thing I think on everybody's mind right now. And USDA has just in the last 10 days or so started to reveal what their plans are for this initial shot at trying to stabilize the agriculture industry. Um, the Just to set the backdrop for you, right now we've identified between $750 million and, and $1.5 billion worth of potatoes and potato products that are clogged up in the system. So that that's the a substantial amount of that um, of, of that of those products need to be taken out of the supply chain in order to allow the market to kind of right itself in order to to uh, create some supply and demand balance that has just been absent because demand fell off a cliff. So we we sat down with the industry and um, go, uh, gathered those numbers. And then we started comparing them to what USDA is doing. U USDA is looking at it in a couple of different blocks. The first is that they want to want to do surplus commodity buys uh, to, to um, both clear some product out of the pipeline, as well as to serve uh, worthy recipients such as food banks, uh, charitable organizations, th those type of entities, who you, you see the lines building all around the country for folks who are food insecure right now. That's a very worthy goal, and we completely support uh, USDA's intention in that in that effort. Um, in parallel with that program, USDA is also trying to provide direct payments to growers. So, if 
if you don't have any product to be cleared out of the system, um, or if you have so much product that you, you basically, you can't clear it all out there, they're going to also provide you with a direct payment to go for your economic injuries that you've suffered. Um, the, the first focus of this is really going to be from the January timeframe to roughly April 15th. So it's kind of this, it's this two-legged stool, basically, of surplus commodity buys, direct payments to try to provide some relief to to growers. Um, You asked the question whether or not it's going to be enough. I I, I don't think anybody believed the initial uh, bill that Congress passed was going to provide USDA with the resources to do what it needed needed to do. Um, It's incredibly hard to replace U.S. food service consumer demand overnight. Um, and certainly Congress is, they, they took an initial stab at it. It was a substantial um, effort, but it's not nearly enough. The, the overall amount that was provided to agriculture from, by Congress was roughly $9.5 billion. Just what the specialty crop, which includes potatoes, um, livestock and dairy industries identified in terms of overall economic vulnerability was roughly $40 billion. So there, there's a big, there's a big disconnect between nine and a half billion and 40 billion. USDA has also gathered up other funding, but still the, the aggregate amount of what USDA has packaged together is not going to meet that need. So we know we've got to go back to Congress. Um, we're, we're going to have to do this bigger and more targeted in the future to get growers the relief that they need. Well, it truly shows, Cam, that having your team on the ground in Washington, D.C., is so important, being able to go and interact with these agencies. I know obviously not in person, but uh, the relationships that have been built and just the advocacy, that that role that you play on behalf of the industry is so pivotal. And as we look at that supply of potatoes, in terms of clearing out the pipeline and providing help and relief for growers, what does the Department of Ag need to be doing? Uh, does Congress need to play a role in this? What 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 are we looking at? What what are some options to help maybe uh, unplug that clog that we have in the bottleneck system right now of the supply chain? Yeah, it's really it's a it's a two step process. Like I I think the the department their their initial strategy of surplus commodity buys and direct payments it, it was correct, um, but you've got to execute. Uh, in a substantial way to get growers the relief that they need. And so how, how do you do that? What's different? Uh, what, what, what does success look like overall in terms of providing relief for growers uh, as opposed to what they're doing right now? It's, it's, we're, we're, we, we believe really strongly that the food banks, the charitable organizations, they've got to be at the front of the line for fresh potatoes, uh, frozen, dehydrated, all of these products, um, they've got to go to where the need is first. And so uh, under USDA's program, they're, they're not looking at any processed potato products. They're only looking at fresh potatoes that would go in. They're not calling it the harvest box, which was an idea from a couple of years ago, but basically it's a food box. It's a pre-prepared food box that would include um, 
vegetables, fruits, uh, dairy, meat. Uh, it's, it's a kind of a pre-assembled box that people could drive up. You could put in your trunk and drive away. That all makes a lot of sense, but USDA can't stop there. They, they need to consider also purchasing uh, potato products, uh, frozen French fries. Um, you look at dehydrated products. There's a variety of different uh, shelf-stable, very um, creative dehydrated products that could easily go uh, into, those, into that food bank uh, supply chain. So that would make a lot of sense. Beyond the food banks, even though there's a lot of demand out there, it's, it's unlikely that that demand is going to, to substantially replace what happened when the government locked down and essentially we, we were blocked out of food service. So they've got to buy more potatoes across the board. What that'll do is if they can take the storage potatoes out of the pipeline, it'll give options to growers and processors who are right now, um, they're, they're making decisions on the 2020 crop that are based on the reality of seeing this huge amount of 2019 storage crop potatoes that just don't have any home. And so if we can get that overall supply of 2019 potatoes out of the system or a substantial amount of it out of the system, it creates options for the 2020 crop. The, that, that is the, the single biggest, most effective um, thing that the, the USDA can do right now in terms of, of writing this. Will they have to go back to Congress for resources? Maybe so, and we certainly are going to work with Congress to do that. But the overall goal of creating options for the 2020 crop that will play a huge amount of benefits. That'll make sure, or at least provide a, a, a likelihood, that this crisis doesn't continue all the way into fall of 2021. Because if you create no options for the 2020 crop, that, that's exactly how far these, these negative impacts are going to echo out in time. Um, the, second, the second thing that, that Congress and the administration can do is a larger direct payment package. Um, r right now, for the amount of money that they've targeted to specialty crops, which potatoes would get a share of the specialty crop amount, um, it's, it, it's, it's really, when you look at it, um, potatoes are very high cost to produce. Basically, everything in the specialty crop category is high cost to produce. But they, what USDA has done is they've put a $125,000 payment limitation on any single crop commodity producer. So if, you, if, you have, if you're growing two crops, you can double that up. But the maximum that you could get is $250,000 if you're growing two crops. If just one, it's only $125,000. That's just not going to get it in terms of relief for a high-cost operation. Um, the, the, that goes for potatoes, uh, strawberry producers, um, uh, citrus producers, apples. The, that that type of payment limitation just doesn't translate into real relief for such a such an expensive crop. And the the combination of if if we don't act in a big way on surplus commodity buys and we don't get 
an appropriate direct payment package, the the combination means a real threat to a lot of family farms that are out there. Um, the the on the flip side of that, if you can get a re- aggressive surplus commodity purchases right now, it means the bill for the direct payments lowers. It's like a teeter totter. So we 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 think that there are options out there that can p- be pursued very quickly that can make a real difference for farmers. Looking to international trade and trade packs in general, a lot of big news occurred uh, in 2019 and the first part of 2020 in opportunities for the U.S. potato industry and U.S. agriculture in general. Looking forward, what can we expect? What impact is COVID going to have on these trade packs? Every country right now is grappling with, you know, I, I kind of laid out the realities of you, you've got you know, the, the restaurants shut down, you've got demand fall off. And so that immediately causes any country that has domestic potato production or really any other kind of production, they're seeing all of these, all of these stocks of the various products start to build up. And so, you know, as you look for, you, you know, we, we, you remember, it, it, we, we were having wave after wave of trade success, China, Japan, USMCA passed. Now all of those countries are grappling with the reality of they've got a whole bunch of domestic oversupply. And how do they deal with that? We obviously, we want to see these trade agreements pursued and um, implemented on the schedule that was that was that, that was determined um, when the negotiations were concluded. That makes a lot of sense. It creates a lot of certainty um, across, you know, not just domestically, but obviously internationally. The, the other thing that we're grappling with is we're, we're, we're trying to be optimistic, and I, I think there's good reason to believe that markets are going to start to reopen probably in the summertime, uh, into fall. Nobody really knows what demand looks like, but certainly it's going to be a heck of a lot better than it is right now. As, as that demand starts to come back, all of these oversupplied countries are going to start looking for customers. And they're going to start hunting for customers, likely in the biggest consumer market in the world, which is the United States. And so we've been in discussions with both the Office of the Trade Representative, as well as the Department of Agriculture, saying, look, please keep an eye on these irrational surges in imports that, per- that could come, either um, in processed potato products or in fresh potato products. Um, and it's just a result of folks... Essentially, trying to get trying to get rid of these oversupplied stocks in any manner that they possibly can. If they come in and flood a market, it can really prolong or deepen the economic harm that um, that that we potentially could deal with from this crisis. So, we we want to make sure as things as things reopen, we want to make sure that it occurs in an orderly fashion. If it happens in a volatile or rational fashion, it, it, it could be pretty painful economically. And so we're, we're really keeping an eye on that, looking, looking forward over the next few months. And Cam, you touched on it just a little bit, but for our producers and processors and, and all members of the industry out there, 
Well, what are the best guesses of how long this impact uh, could last uh, up to this point? And uh, what, what are some tools that the National Potato Council will try to utilize to, to make sure that uh, this impact is a lesson for the U.S. potato industry? The, I, I think that, you know, that's the, that's the question that it's a, it's a probably, it's not even a multi-billion dollar question anymore, Lane. It's, uh, it's a multi-trillion dollar question is, is when, when are we going to get back to normal? Um, the, uh, I, I think certainly the, what I've laid out for you is if, if certain actions aren't taken, it's very likely we're going to be suffering the consequences of this in our industry well into 2021. Um, the the good news is we've got some terrific partners that I, I think are all shoulder to shoulder focused on the objective of getting the relief uh, to growers and and mi- trying to mitigate against that worst case uh, circumstance. So that's across every one of the state organizations uh, that is, that has uh, that represents potato producers. Uh, Washington, Idaho, North Dakota, Maine, uh, Colorado, uh, across the across the whole country, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, Oregon, um, all all of our all of our state association partners, and I'm leaving some out, are are shoulder to shoulder with their congressional delegations, trying to devote resources, bring attention to this to this issue. Um, Obviously, we can't anticipate what the virus is going to do, but I, I think we have a pretty good handle now on how the market is going to react to um, the marketplace is going to react to uh, a demand drop off. Um, we've certainly been well educated. Uh, it was it, it was stuff that you could you could probably predict if you were if you were doing kind of a sand table exercise. Well, we saw it in real life. And we, we know what happens. Um, I, I think our our efforts right now are really in fo- are really focused on explaining, educating some of our federal officials about what real relief looks like, and then getting them to act and stand programs up that that really matter. The you know the announcements that have come out over the last ten days, they're they're a good start. Um, we characterize them as a down payment. But uh, obviously, down payments need to be followed up by bigger payments, and that's that's really what Congress and the administration are going to need to to deliver for for our industry here in the coming weeks. It's truly a, a hard time for every single U.S. citizen amid COVID nineteen. And when you look online, though, there, there is that glimmer of hope and, and the important role that that producers play in communities across the nation and. Cam, it just warms my heart when I see the binfuls of potatoes that producers have donated or leave out on their operations for uh, folks in town to just come and take as many potatoes as they need to get by for that week. I, I just think uh, a, when we look at the severity of all this, just that bright shining moment and just the commitment that our producers have uh, to their communities is really showing through right here. I, I just love seeing those images. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Lane, because it, it's hard hard for people to, to wrap their arms around the idea that, you know, these are producers who have their their businesses potentially for the next year. You know, we're, we're worried about being shut down for a couple of months and not being able to go back to our jobs. Um, these are producers who have their crops threatened. 
potentially for a year or more. And their one of their most immediate reactions is to try to figure out how they can get that unusable crop to people in need. And that's a pretty selfless action in the face of a tremendous amount of personal chaos for them. And it, it really is remarkable. And you're seeing that more and more. I know you've, you've got examples of uh, growers that we know really well in Montana, where you live, um, who, who are doing that. And we're seeing it across the country. Um, it's just, it's, it's really a, a remarkable showing of community and caring about other people at a time when you know, a lot of people would be focused about themselves. And, and they, these, are, these are just different folks. Well, again, it's a very difficult time, but for producers out in the countryside, I know that they can sleep a little bit easier at night knowing that they have a strong voice out in our nation's capital, a part of these conversations, or creating the conversations that haven't been discussed yet uh, to benefit the future and the well-being of the potato industry here in the United States. Cam, any last uh, thoughts that you'd like to share to our listeners here today? The work that we're doing here is really motivated by um, some of the concern that we've got for folks across the country. So we're doing everything that we can, and our our thoughts are our thoughts are with our folks out in the industry who are really challenged at this difficult time, as as you know, a lot of folks really are across the country. Um, and we're uh, we're that's that's what keeps us motivated keeps us coming back every day trying to trying to get some wins here to to get people in a better place so really appreciate you putting out the word lane uh, mean, means a lot and hopefully uh, hopefully we're going to get some get some good news here in the in the near future I hope so too cam you and your family stay safe out there in Washington DC and healthy and for our listeners uh, make sure and uh, contact or visit the National Potato Council online for any questions or information you'd like to find and of course uh, for more resources or to subscribe to the podcast and listen to past conversations we've had with industry members make sure and do that wherever you listen to your podcast cam uh, have a great day out there in DC you too, Lane. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That is today's Iron Potatoes podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the National Potato Council's Ion Potatoes podcast with host Lane Nordland. For more information, visit nationalpotatocouncil.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.